I love that song. Most of us would agree that um, the American church, the American Christian church in general, has done a pretty good job of teaching us about the past and what the gospel has to do with the past. How Jesus died on the cross and, and that dying on the cross for those who choose to submit their lives to him, though that that has been paid for. Everything I have ever done wrong or will do wrong, that past has been forgiven. It's been paid for. We've done a pretty good job about teaching about that. We've also done a, a fairly decent job of teaching a, a little bit about the future and what the gospel has to do with my future, meaning because Jesus died on the cross, then if I choose to submit to him, then my future is changed, meaning I will one day have a home in heaven with Jesus, we've done a pretty good job about teaching what the gospel has to do with our future. But that leaves this great big gospel hole between the first chapter and the last chapter right now, the right now, the here and now, this gospel hole of what the gospel, does it have anything to do with right now? I mean, what in the world does the gospel have to do with now? And then this now that just happened. And then the next now, and after that, the next now, all day long today, the series title has been and is, My Life is a Love Song to You, Jesus. I have wanted that to be true for my life, but the truth is this, um, so much of my life has not been a love song to Jesus. Rather, it has been a love song to many other things out there around me, and a love song to many um, other things or following after, chasing after other people that my heart has chased after. Yeah. That's been the reality. Yeah, and you're not the only one. I, I can definitely, uh, I can agree, I can be right there with you in the same boat. Probably a lot of us in the in the room, maybe all of us in the room watching on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, probably can all relate to that, that we don't feel like our lives are a love song to Jesus. And so that's the reason why in week one, of this series, we began by talking about if we want our lives to be a love song to Jesus, then we, if we want our lives to be a love song to Jesus, then we have to start out um, with, with time. You know, if we want our lives to be, you know, kind of, in other words, everything that we say shows our love for Jesus. Everything that we think shows our love for Jesus. Everything that we do shows our love for Jesus, then we have to give God more and more of our time, moment by moment. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen really, as Harley just said, in the, in the moment, right now. It's going to happen moment by moment. It's going to happen with our time. And then in week two, we kind of took it a step further. We said time is important. We've, we've got to give God our time if we want our life to become a love song to Jesus, but we've got to take it a step further. We have to get to a point where we are adoring Jesus as the center focal point of what we believe, of our faith, of, our, uh, of, of, of who we are. We, we, Jesus has to be the focus of it. It can't be church. It can't be um, Bible study. It can't be prayer even. It has to be Jesus. He is the centerpiece of our adoration. Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our King, our God, adoring Him moment by moment by moment throughout the day, throughout my day, throughout all of our day, if we want our lives to be a love song to Him. And then last week, we kind of, again, we, we took it a step even further from that. We said if we want our lives to be a love song to Jesus, then we've, we've got to make better decisions today. We have to make better decisions daily. We, we have to take our decision-making, again, and you're starting to probably see a theme here, moment by moment, make better sense of what's going on in our lives. And we need to uh, place proper value on what's more important and then also what is most important in our lives. And we actually talked about a strategy or a way to be able to do that. We said to be able to do that, we can actually... When we're faced with a dilemma or when we're faced with an opportunity, if it's a good opportunity or maybe a, a bad, what we would think of as a bad opportunity, an opportunity nonetheless, when we're faced with that dilemma or that opportunity, we talked about how we need to run into the future and we need to run into 
uh, our future as a follower of Jesus, as someone that has made the decision to become a follower of Jesus, we're on this journey, run into our future, into our eternity. Visit eternity in our mind where, quite honestly, as we read from the book of Revelation, Jesus is sitting on his throne with all of the saved lives around him. All of those followers, those followers of him are sitting around him, and really they're just worshiping him. They're adoring him. They're, they're praising him. And we visit our eternity in, in our mind. We, we take a look at what that eternity looks like. We look at it through Scripture, and then we come back to this moment that we find ourselves in. We, we find where we're at, and we determine the wise thing to do based on what eternity is. So if that's the end game, if that's the point of this whole following Jesus thing, if that's the whole end story, then what's the wise thing to do in this moment? What's important in this moment? What's not important in this moment? And then, once we have made that decision, once we've kind of gotten that revelation, if you will, make the important choice. Yeah, and so if we will do these three things that Cole just mentioned, um, we are well on our way to developing a life that becomes a love song to Jesus, but we have today. Um, there's one other, and there, there may be many, many more, but this is a four-week series, so here's the fourth thing. <laughs> Only so we, much you can do in That we are encouraging all of us, Cole, myself, and you to do one more thing, a very important thing. In fact, this step is so important that if we skip it, if I choose to skip this, um, my life will not become a love, a love song to Jesus if I skip this step. And this, it's true for you as well. If you skip this step, your life really cannot, as God desires, become a love song to Jesus. Because what will happen in turn if we skip this step, we will actually begin speaking against something that is very dear to Jesus. We will begin acting against something that is very close to the heart of God. Perhaps the closest thing to the heart of God. So how can I love God if I dislike what God loves? How can we dismiss what God loves? How can we neglect what God loves? How can we ignore something he loves? And the reality is, if I want my life to be a love song to Jesus, I can't ignore those things, neglect those things. If we try to do that, here's what we're saying instead. If we ignore them and just neglect this, we're saying, God, okay, Listen, here's how it's going to go, God. I, let's see. I will agree to love you, God, but I'm going to love you on my terms. So, God, really, here's where we stand. You can take it or leave it. This is what you're going to get if you want me. Yikes. That sounds pretty dangerous to me. So what is this thing that we're saying that we can't ignore? All right, here's our big point today. The changes that God wants to make in our lives to make us more and more progressively like him, those changes primarily take place within a community of Christ followers, and it is called the church. You know, okay, but... Here, here's where my mind can go very quickly when I hear that. Um, not arguing with you, not disagreeing with you at all, but I, I just, this is where my mind can go when I hear that statement. Okay, so if I want to become, make my life more a love song to Jesus, okay, I want to do that, and that happens only within community, relationships in this thing that God has laid out for us in the new covenant called the church. That's where it happens. All of this stuff happens in this community. And then my mind, Harley, it immediately goes to this. Okay, yeah, but that was written 2,000 years ago, right? That was, let's say even 300 years ago. Yeah, 300 years ago, a follower of Jesus 
yeah, they, they needed community. They needed that community because, let's face it, they didn't have much else, you know? I mean, think about it. 300 years ago, what's that, 1720? 1720. George Washington was not even born in 1720. You know, I mean, there were only 12 English colonies in 1720. Georgia had not been established yet. Okay, so there was like the 12, original 12 colonies. Yeah, 300 years ago, 2,000 years ago, they had to have community. They had to have that to be able to grow. But today, May the 31st, 2020, I mean, come on. We have so much. We have advanced so far. Technology, communication. I mean, let's... I mean, this is where my mind goes. I'm not saying I'm right. I mean, even just... But this is where my mind goes. My grandfather, not even my great-grandfather, my grandfather, he drove an eight-mule team in World War I. That was his job. I had a party line when I was younger. (laughs) You blew your mind when you found that. I had a party line when I was, was, you know, up until I was about five or six years old. I can't remember exactly how old I was. We had a party line. I mean, in my mind, we've advanced so much. We have so much technology, communication, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you guys are watching us right now live. I just want to make a comment, Reagan. A party line is probably not what you might imagine a party line <laughs> would called be. Somebody Talk out to your line. mom. She might know. I don't uh, even know if your mom will know what a party we don't, line is. We can make it on our own in my mind. We don't require others. I mean, let's face it. I've got all I need. I mean, I, can, I don't even have to have a Bible as, as we think about a Bible. I have every translation you could possibly want in any language right there. It's that quickly I can come up with it. In fact, in my mind, I can actually begin to make myself believe I can do this thing better. I'm going to talk to you guys as I try to get my battery back in my pointer here. I can do this thing better on my own. I can actually do it better on my own because guess what? If I'm not in community, you know what that means? That means I don't have to deal with difficult people. There you go. I don't have to navigate difficult people. I don't have to, um, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, some of you in here right now are kind of maybe thinking you're snickering a little bit. I don't have to navigate difficult people. People are messy, right? Community can be difficult. But let's face it, at at creation, at creation, God made us to live in community. Thank you, sir. He made, look at you, always on on top of things. He made us to live in community. But after the fall, and we talked about, we, we, we talked about that last week, after the fall when sin entered into God's creation, and after we brought sin into this creation, now we tend, or at least I know in my experience, and I'm speaking from personal experience, we tend to run by your friendships that God said, you need this. You can't do this by yourself. As awesome as our simulcast is, and it's great, man. We've got a great product that we're putting out there right now on Facebook and YouTube, and we are thrilled to be able to do that. But as awesome as it is, it's, it's not enough. Because we were built for relationships. But those relationships, and even our longing for those relationships, what has happened, at least in my experience, what has happened, it's they've been spoiled by sin. Uh, and we might pursue relationships, but typically we pursue relationships only as long as those relationships can give us something in return. And it's interesting, Harley, sometimes it's almost like we have a love-hate relationship with relationships, yeah, you know? Yeah, we do. And I believe that God recognizes this tension that we live in with this love-hate relationship with relationships. But God still proceeds with his plan. He doesn't change it. And he places the majority of our personal spiritual growth smack in the middle of relationships within this body called the church. Now, God's redeeming work of lasting change that he wants to create in our lives, it takes both. It takes this personal relationship with Jesus, but it is also alongside of our relationships with other Christ followers in the church. Now, um, I have a habit of every once in a while introducing a, a colloquial phrase that may not be something you grew up with, but something I grew up with. For instance, like the dog thing, like, the fleas uh, or whatever. If you lay down with dogs, you're going to yeah. get up with fleas. Not everybody was familiar with Sorry. that here. 
Um, I'll, uh, here's another one. Um, your cat might have kittens in the oven, but that doesn't make them biscuits. I don't know if you've heard I've that. I've heard that one. Um, I've heard that here's one. another one. Um, this makes Vanessa cringe. Um, uh, you got to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. Oh, yeah, I've heard that one. You've heard that yeah, one? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So here's one. I'm, it's I all about biscuits see. with you, apparently, this morning. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> 10 pounds, huh? So, <laughs> at least. Um, I have a uh, skill. So uh, let me see if you have heard this one. Um, nod your head. Even if you're at home, give me a nod. Um, if you've heard this phrase, you made your bed. Now, oh, sure, yeah. Lie. Yes, yeah. okay. So yeah. we have some folks who have, that's, I'm yeah. not too far off base here. Now here, you, you made your bed, now go, now lie in it. I mean, right. I mean, we have heard that, which means three things. First, it means you made your mess. You made that mess. Secondly, you are stuck with your mess that you made. Third thing it means, you are also alone in that mess. I'm not going to jump in there with you. You made your bed, now lie in it. But here's a great reality check for me. When Christ brings us into his family, we are never alone in our mess again. Never. No matter how much of a mess that we have made or that we feel, and I want to add one thing to that, we don't have to be alone in our mess ever again. Sometimes we so, choose that. So basically what you're saying is it's not a Jesus plus me mindset. That's it. That's the end of it. And, and oftentimes, and again, man, of the four messages in this series that we've talked about, this one probably hits me the hardest. I think this is the one that, that, that kind of nailed me the closest to, to, to just me personally because I've said a lot of these things. I, I've done a lot of these things because I can tend to get into a... Um, that Jesus in me mindset where it's kind of a vertical shaft of relationship where it's me and it's God and it's God and it's me. Don't touch my pointer. It's, <laughs> it's me and it's God, it's God and it's me. You know, it's this vertical shaft and that's it. And there's no one else in it. And as long as I, you're going to mess with my pointer again, aren't you? Okay. And as long as I am connecting to God, then everything's okay. And I just need Jesus. I mean, after all, again, like we just said, we have a Bible. All of us have a Bible. If you have a smartphone, you have a Bible that you can read in any translation, in any version, in any language, you name it, you can pull that up as quickly as you would like to. You can read your Bible by yourself in your home, and you do not need anyone else to help you. You can talk to God in prayer. We, you can pray by yourself in your home. In fact, the Bible talks about that. It, it talks about that being a part of this journey of following him. You can do that. I can do that. And I tend to get in the mindset of that me plus God, me plus Jesus, Jesus and me, vertical shaft of uh, worship, vertical shaft of relationship, and I tend to think that's all I need. People just get in the way. I mean, people just kind of muck it up, you know? I mean, it, trying to get along with people is not very efficient. I don't know if I'm throwing like a newsflash out there for anybody right now. I don't think I am, but you know what I'm talking about. Getting along with people is not efficient. Um, I can, in my mind, I can grow faster on my own. I can grow faster on my own because it's just not efficient to do that around other people in community and in relationships. But the truth of the matter is, if we look at Scripture, if we look at that new covenant, then God has, has a bigger plan. has a lot bigger plan. And, and it's honestly, it is, it's messier. It's considerably messier. And, sorry God, it's less efficient. I mean, God's plan is not as efficient in my mind anyway, in the way I think. In fact, what God hopes to do in my individual life is actually part of a much bigger worldwide plan of redemption. My story is not vertical. Me and him and him and me. It actually is horizontal. It goes a lot more horizontal than that. It involves people throughout the past, people in the future, and then certainly people right now in the present. Yeah, and that's not the way we think 
<laughs> that it should go or should happen or be best, but it is how God thinks. And Scripture clearly reveals that God's way of making us more and more like Jesus, it happens within relationships, in the context of relationships in the church. And so, okay, if we're going to say, okay, God, oh, okay, but we might ask, but why? And so we think, well, maybe the, maybe the first thoughts, one of the first thoughts that comes to our mind is, well, I, I guess there's some benefit to Christ following friendships, I guess. But you know what? That's not even in the probably the top ten <laughs> reasons why this is so important to God. You know what the number one reason perhaps is? The first reason is we of why we need to invest deeply into relationships with other Christ followers in the church is because God is invested in relationships. I'm not going to pretend to you that I can explain this because this goes beyond our mind and our ability. There are some analogies and metaphors that help us a little bit understand this, but nothing really captures this. I've heard them all. We cannot explain how God is one, but yet He is three separate personalities. We cannot explain that. Our minds literally cannot grasp that. But it's a fact. According to Scripture, we have God the Father, we have God the Son, we have God the Spirit, and they live in perfect relationship with each other. That means perfect harmony, perfect peace, and perfect unity. Every single thing that one does, they're separate but yet one, every single thing that one does and thinks is in perfect sync and harmony with the others. And that is the image of God. And we are created in the image right. of God. And that really, if that being the case, then it's no wonder that we have this deep longing for relationship. I mean, it, it's actually hardwired into our DNA. It's what we're searching for. I mean, I know me personally, and I'm not a big uh, relationship guy. I, I'm not. I'm not a big relationship guy. My, my circle is not big. It never has been. But just like, just to use, I'm a guy, so I'll use this as an example. Just like guys, I mean, we look for relationships. You just look for it. In different ways, you look for it in different areas. Some guys look for relationships um, at, at ball games uh, with athletics or something along those lines. Some look for it uh, going to deer camp or you know hunting, different things along those lines. Uh, some look for um, you know relationships. Uh, you know, some go to the bar to find relationships, the club, you know, whatever. I mean, we, it's it's in our DNA. It's hardwired in our DNA to have relationship to live in community and yet we experience many of us we experience the greatest depression and frustration in our lives because we just can't get the kind of relationship we're looking for because again like we talked about a few moments ago because sin has just messed it all up sin's got it all messed up and so there's depression and frustration right in the middle of that thing that God has hardwired into our DNA to want so badly, relationships. And then when we can't get the relationships in the community that we're looking for, in a lot of different areas, I mean, and we're talking about inside of the church with community of Christ followers, but regardless, if we're talking inside of the church, we can be talking about any area where we're looking for relationships in this context, when we can't find those relationships we're looking for and we can't get what we're looking for and longing for out of those relationships, our brokenness often leads us to do hurtful things inside of our relationships. And our broken approach to relationships is very often extremely self-centered, or at least, again, in my experience, it's often very self-centered, which is the exact opposite of how God created us to be in relationship. Um, in the New Covenant, in the book of Ephesians, in Paul's letter to the Christ followers in the town of Ephesus, he's going to try to explain to us, kind of try to paint a picture to us, how God clearly, clearly places our growth 
in the context of relationships. So, again, what is this series? This series is Our Life as a Love Song to Jesus. Okay, what does that mean? That means my life as a follower of Jesus, moment by moment, day by day, trying to become more like Christ. So Paul is going to try to, as best he can, help us see that. So uh, his, his letter to these Christ followers in the city of Ephesus, uh, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 1. Therefore I, this is Paul speaking, I, I'm a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Paul's like, this is huge, listen to me. I beg you. To lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. It's a big deal. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Hey, 2,000 years ago, Paul was like, I know, people are messy. People are kind of hard to deal with. This is not the most efficient way to go about your business. Church, followers of Jesus, this is not efficient. Make allowances for people's faults because they're going to have them. You're going to experience that. Paul goes on in verse 3, and then he says this. This is important. He says, make every effort. Make every effort. Do everything that you can. Everything that you possibly can do. Make every effort to keep yourselves. And this is so big here. Because this takes it just from a Christ follower to the church. To a body of Christ followers. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit Binding yourselves together with peace. When we become followers of Jesus, when I made that decision to begin that journey of following Jesus, I was welcomed by God into this family. Into this family. And this family's not made up of uh, just me and God. It's not just, again, that vertical shaft of God and me and me and God and that's it. Actually, it's made up of other Christ followers. If you are a follower of Jesus and I am a follower of Jesus, guess what? We are, hey, family. You know, you were fixing to go there, weren't you? Uh, yeah. You had me. Yeah, Sister Sledge. We had somebody yeah. come in. We were talking about the 70s this morning. That's, uh -huh. There's some disco out there. But anyway, we are a part of a family. And God is at the center of all of those relationships. So yes, we are connected to God in that connection that vertical shaft but it then goes out into these relationships within the family and then as we go forward in what Paul's writing we're then going to notice how the unity of God is hardly talked about in the Trinity which we can't there's no way no way God's unity in the Trinity is then actually woven into the relationships that we are expected to experience or that that God wants us to experience he says in verse 4 this is Paul speaking he says for thee there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope in the future. So God the Spirit at work in the body. The Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, however you want to put that. And then he goes on. He says there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, our Lord Jesus, through whom you know who we've got faith, our faith is in and our baptism is in. That's, that's Jesus. And then he goes on and he says, and one God and Father who's over all and in all, and living through all. So right there, we get this picture of relationship and how it all is symbolized in this picture of God in relationship with the Trinity. And we're all in this big family. One Father who is over this whole big family of believers that we call the church. Yeah. And so what did it cost God to create this church? This church worldwide that is so precious to him. What did it cost God? Well, frankly, it cost God disunity. Think with me for a moment. Matthew, as he records what happened to Jesus on the cross. Matthew 27, verse 46, it says about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Oh, you know what it means. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God! My God, why have you abandoned me? 
Jesus had endured the torture before the cross. That was bad. We can't imagine it. Jesus endured the cross. That abuse, He was up there for about three hours. And then about 3 p.m., an even worse torture fell upon Jesus when God the Father turned His back on His own Son. And in that moment, the perfect unity of God was broken. The Father, in essence, had to say, I do not know you. To the Son. That's what He said, in essence. At that moment, all the sins of the world, from the past, from those moments, and in the future, all the sins of the world in that moment were upon Jesus. And the Father turned His back. God, for the first time, experienced disunity. By choice, but disunity. Now, this is so sobering for me. Every time I'm tempted to turn away from another believer, to go the other direction when they're coming this direction from another believer, every time I... I, I, I don't want to be involved in the life of another believer, I must, I must remember the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were torn apart so that I could be united, not just with God, but so that I could be united to other Christ followers. God is so serious about believers growing in unity. And Paul, in, in this letter to the church in Ephesus, and letter to us, he, he, he actually goes on and he tells us, he says that the church, this body of believers, all of us who are, are followers of, of Jesus, he says, we've been equipped with everything that we need. The church has been equipped with everything that it needs to grow. Everything that it needs to move forward, everything that it needs to be alive and thrive and grow and love and do what it is intended to do. He, he says in, in verse 13 here in the same text that we've been reading, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. And this is important, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Again, back to that original thought, my life is a love song to Jesus. What does that mean? Becoming more like Him. Becoming more like Him. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, so it's like Paul's saying, all those things, that's not going to be a problem as we are growing. It's all about growth and movement and, and moving forward and growing and learning together as a body of believers. He says, instead of those things, here's what you're going to experience as you're growing. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body the church. So if there's any question who this is being written to, it's being written to the body of the church. It's being written to us, not me. That's a big difference because many times we take this and we see me. It's not being written to me. It's being written to us. If you're in this room, it's being written to us. If you're watching us on Facebook Live or on uh, YouTube, it's being written to us. Verse 16, he makes the whole, who? Jesus. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. My mind immediately goes to like a gears, you know, and, and every follower of Jesus is like a gear that turns uh, in a certain way at a certain speed and has a certain job. As each part or as each gear, you might say, does its own special work, 
It helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. So every piece to the body, what's the body? That's the church. Every piece to the church is like a gear. And the only way that the church is doing what it's supposed to do is if that gear's moving at the proper speed, the proper way, and only when that gear moves does that gear move. And only when that gear moves does that gear move. And only when those things are happening, each person in the church is moving as a body does the church do what it is intended to do. Which, what is that? What is the end of the verse? And the last part, which is body, the church, is healthy, growing, and the last part, which is so important for May the 31st, 2020. In everything we see, everything we say, everything we do, every response to everything that we witness in this day and age that we are experiencing right now, full of love. That's the church. Now, it is absolutely, positively impossible to read what Paul wrote here. It is impossible to read what Paul wrote, these passages, these scriptures, and come away thinking that this idea of Christianity is a God and me religion. It is a vertical shaft, me, God, God, me, and that's it. You can't do it. You cannot find anywhere, and especially those scriptures we just read, that it's a God and me religion. How many people, and you may have said it yourself, I may have said it in my past, how many times have you heard this statement? Yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I, I don't go to church. I don't, I don't do the church thing. The church is full of hypocrites, man. It's full of messy people. It's inefficient. I don't do that. But the Bible never separates the two. In fact, the Bible never really specifically in the New Covenant talks to an individual Christ follower. It almost is always talking to the body of Christ followers, the church. Our salvation connects us not only with God, but it also connects us with people. And it's not just a connection, it's not just a connection to God. I mean, and, and to be very, very practical about this, I mean, very pragmatic, kind of lay the cards out on the table. These last two and a half, three months, they have been weird. They've been weird. I mean, they've been, it's, this has been weird. This has been the weirdest. I'm 37. So in my 37 years, this has been the weirdest thing I've experienced. I did not live through a lot of, you know, I didn't live through World War II. I didn't live through a lot. Yeah, I didn't, I don't, I can't, I don't have that experience. This is the weirdest thing I've lived through in 37 years. And we have had to adapt and change and grow in different ways. And, of course, we've had to do our Facebook and our YouTube. And we actually put a lot of time, effort, and actually money into that so that we could have as good of a product as we possibly could. And I think we do. I think it's a great product. In fact, when I go home on Sundays, I'll turn on YouTube and I'll watch it and kind of critique it and see if there's anything we didn't do well, anything needs to change. And every week I'll say, you know, it's pretty good. It sounds good. It looks good. It's a good product. And a person, if you're sitting right now and you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, you can sit there and you can, on a level, connect with us, engage with us. But as much time and as much effort as we've put into it, it's not the same. It's just not. We, we can't connect the same, no matter how much time and effort we put into it, we can't connect the same way as we can when we're actually able to be eyeball to eyeball, face to face, heart to heart. We just, we can't do it. It's because that relationship, that community, it's hardwired into us. We will never become the image of Christ with just me and God, that vertical shaft, it's, it's, it will never happen. We will never experience my life as a love song to him if it's just me and him. Because that is not, it is neither God's intent, nor is it his plan. Because as we're sitting in this room, if we're watching on Facebook, watching on YouTube, whatever the case may be, what we are intended to become, which what we are intended to become is a church that is alive, growing, and loving. What we are intended to become, we are intended to become that together. You know, that could almost be our bottom line statement today. What we are, what we do become, what we become, we become together. I, I mean, we did not really create a bottom line statement for today, but that could be it. So often, as Cole um, mentioned as we are reading the Bible, 
we personalize everything that's in there. And, and as you mentioned, there are some things that are very personal. It's like, you know, you, you. But so much, the vast majority of the new covenant is meant to be part of a community. And I would add that in the first century, they didn't even have the option to go home and read God's Word because they only read it in community, in public, together as a body of believers. wasn't even an option as it is today. But as we read it today from our tablets, our computer, our phone, or the actual book, paper, Bible, as we read it so often, we take that new covenant and we simply apply it on a personal level in a way that it was not meant to be applied. For instance, let me give you a, a for instance to that. Romans 12.1, very famous passage of Scripture. If you've never heard it, listen to this. It says in Romans 12.1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. And so we read that and we say, yes, yes, yes. I need to give my body to God because of all that he has done for me. But that's not what it's really saying. God is calling for all of the bodies that make up the church to present themselves together as a single unified sacrifice as he goes on he says let them be a living and holy sacrifice let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind that he will find acceptable this is truly the way to worship him this is not something that we can do alone we take that passage and we say that is for me the reality is that is for us as a church. That is not something that can be done alone. Just you and God. Just me and God. This, to fulfill this scripture, requires a church. And the New Testament, the New Covenant, is full of commands like that and instructions like that. Let's take a, a little self-test. Cole and I are going to Take this too. Please don't raise your hand. You don't even need to nod. This is a self-silent test. If you're listening at home, if you're here with us right now in the theater, self-silent test. Which of these comments we make can you in your heart say, yeah, that's kind of me. That's kind of me. I can kind of agree with that. Or it may not sound all that good, but you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of me. Self-test. Here's a few questions. Here's the first. I'm so busy... My relationships are distant and casual. Um, tips are activity and happiness-based. Um, I avoid deep friendships because they're messy and they are scary. Church is something that I attend, but there's really no deep connection to the people. Here's another one. I can do things for others, but I don't really like them to do things for me. Or the opposite, uh, I mostly have friendships that serve me, but I seldom give. I'm pretty private. Oh, by the way, I need to raise my hand on this one. I'm pretty private. I'm more comfortable with just me and God. Here's another one. I prefer pursuing God and knowing about Him more than pursuing any of his people if you answered yes to any one of those maybe you answered yes to multiple ones i could answer yes to two of them if you answered yes to any one of those we are in danger we are in danger of walking away from the very thing that jesus died for we are in danger of walking away from the very unity that god experienced the disunity for us to have the relationships that make up the church because it is a reality. I, we are not up here trying to, and, and, and like you kind of started, I like how you started this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you know, then th and that's okay, then that's, this is kind of not for you. We're not up here trying to hide the fact that um, being involved with other Christ followers is time consuming. 
We are not trying to hide the fact that it is messy and it can be messy. We're not trying to hide that we are going to get our feelings hurt and it can be complicated. Yeah, and we see this, as Cole said, as inefficient. We think this is such an inefficient way to grow. But God sees it as his best way for us to grow. His best. That means we must take time for these relationships to happen. And we have to be realistic about it. There will be pain involved in these relationships this side of heaven. We will hurt other people. And they are going to hurt us. And there will have to be in these relationships confession. And there will have to be forgiveness. And there will be times in our lives where we have to be humble. And we have to humble ourselves and serve other people even when we don't have anything left to give. And there will be times when we have to set our pride aside and, and we have to allow someone to actually serve us. These are some of the very reasons why the church community is part of God's plan for Him to change us to the image of Christ. As we are living in this church community it pushes me and it pushes you. It pushes us to die to ourselves. And sometimes that's the only way we can get there. And there will be times as we are living in this community of Christ followers that it feels like death. But it's God's chosen path to teach us how to live like Jesus. This feels like the opposite of an infomercial. You, know, like we're, you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure it's you want to do this? Count the cost. Count the cost things, yeah. <laughs> because this is how God transforms self-absorbed individuals into an eventual community of love. And we can never ever take this process of how God wants to change our lives. We can't take it out of the context in which God placed it. Relationships. We are either going to grow together or we will be shredded apart. And that's one of the reasons why it has been so difficult for us through this quarantine. It is why being part of a church right now doesn't seem like being part of a church. Because we're trying as best we can with the limitations we were given, we're trying to do this church thing without relationships. And without relationships, the church is never, never the church. And we don't have the luxury of waiting until, oh, we can do relationships later. We are going on about 90 days of our relationships shrinking. 90 days. You know, it only takes 30 days to create a habit. And we're going on 90 days of, of mostly relationship-free church. It's hard to break a habit. In fact, we may have some folks even this very day who, who physically don't have to be sheltered, but we have created in our... Because at 90, 30 days creates a habit. We've got three times that. A habit of church without relationships, without burdening ourselves with other people. We don't have the luxury to wait for this fall trimester of small groups. Normally, what we would be doing right now would be just hammering away at small groups. Get in a small group. Get in a small group. Let me put it this way. If we're getting out during the day, either going to work or going to Walmart or the grocery store, that there is something 
that we can do to connect in relationships with other believers. And listen, we're sensitive to this. You don't have to touch them. We can keep our distance this summer. I don't know how long it needs to happen, but we can. You can stay 10 feet away from people. The masks are designed if you have to be less than 6 feet away from other people. You can stay 10 feet, 15, 20 feet away from other people. But we need to find ways to be face-to-face and soul-to-soul in these relationships. Cole and I have done our best to identify three groups, generally speaking, of people right now. And let's just make it personal for Stuttgart Harvest Church, since we're talking about church community. Three groups of people. We have very clearly some people who, and we all fit into one of these three, but we have some people very clearly who are medically cautious, and they must be, they need to be, because there's some kind of immune-compromised system in, in their life. And so, or they live with somebody, perhaps, who is immune-compromised. And so we have a group of people who must be medically cautious. We have a second group of people, and we're going to just simply call them adults who have toddlers and babies. And that makes it difficult here because on Sundays we don't have our children's programming functioning right now. So there is a very specific group, adults who have toddlers and babies. And then we have a third group, And that's basically everybody else. (laughs) That's the rest of us. All right, three groups of people. And Cole and I have been praying and thinking and working and strategizing to come up with a strategy that everyone, no matter which group you fall into, that we can on some level, in some way, participate in these next six steps. And here's what we're going to give you. We're calling it... It's a long title, Six-Step Face-to-Face Reopening Strategy in 2020 of Stuttgart Harvest Yeah, we're not going to market that one. (laughs) (laughs) We have a six-step strategy that we want to present this morning right now, a face-to-face reopening strategy in 2020 for Stuttgart Harvest Church because the church is people. The church is relationship. Here is phase one of our strategy, reconnecting phase one. We're going to ask everyone who is a part of Stuttgart Harvest Church to every week this summer, through the summer, starting now, will you do something like this, something like sitting under a shade tree outside with another family or person who is part of Stuttgart Harvest Church. This anyone in any of those three groups can do that. If you need to bring your own lawn chair and y'all can set them far apart, that's okay. Bring your own chair. Bring your own bottle of water, your own soda, your own Coke. Bring, bring, so you don't have to even share, you know, cups or any. I mean, you bring your own and just sit in a shade, under a shade tree out in the open air with someone else who's part of Stuttgart Harvest Church so that you can connect with them face-to-face, heart-to-heart, make it as far of a distance as is needed to be safe. Sit down, talk 15, 20 minutes. Encourage each other. Catch up with each other's lives and pray for each other. Will you do that? That's, That's reconnecting phase one. Here's reconnecting phase two. We're hoping in the month of June that we can work this out. We don't have the details yet, but we're hoping that on a Saturday, that's our preference, maybe even if we have to a Sunday afternoon, we're hoping that we can conduct together as a church family a work day here at the property 
You know, some things that we can do. We can serve together and work together for a few hours on one of these days. And we'll have some outside projects. So you can take your kids and your family and you can be involved outside at a distance, as big of a distance that you might need to create. We have the space. We have the projects. We also have some projects inside. If you don't have to be as distant, we have some things inside that could, be ha- that could happen as well. If you need extreme distance, then you could even just drop off some supplies or drop off some money on that day for some supplies. And, and in fact, if it needs to be extreme, extreme distance, you don't even have to get out of your car on that day, but we can have some face-to-face heart-to-heart interactions in the parking lot with you being way, way, way away. But it could still happen. So we've got a plan. That's reconnecting phase two. We're hoping we can do this in the month of June. Okay, reconnecting phase three. One Saturday in July or August, we we want to host some kind of, here's the concept, uh, a Stuttgart market, some kind of citywide region flea market. Uh, uh, even if you have yard sale stuff, I mean, we could set up and, and go around the whole perimeter or one section of the parking lot. And again, we can create as much space that needs to happen. But there's a, even a further bonus on this one. Not only will you get to be around other people in Stuttgart Harvest Church face to face, soul to soul, but you have the opportunity to also invite your neighbor to meet some of the weird people you know at Stuttgart Harvest Church. And we could do that together one afternoon, one morning in, um, in July or August. We'll let you know as it develops. Reconnecting phase four. Sometime in September, we want to do a, here's the title, uh, which will change, but the concept title, from me to you, a free barbecue. <laughs> we want to give. So corny. Uh, I know it is, but it but it makes sense. We want to invite Stuttgart as as long as supplies last, and we want to give them a free barbecue. You show up, you come through. We're gonna put a sandwich in your hand. We're gonna let you touch it because we're gonna keep some distance. But we're going to get to serve together, and in serving together, we can create the distance needed, and, and there may be, you know, again, whatever level there or group that you are in, depending on that, will determine what role you play in that and how that works out, but we can still yet somehow be face-to-face and soul-to-soul. Reconnecting phase five. That's the fall trimester of small groups. It's going to launch at the end of September. And by the end of September, our hope is that we will have very few, if any, restrictions. Who knows? We don't know. But we are going to have small groups. It's going to be a big time. It's going to be the most important small group trimester we've ever had. It really it, it, will. This is it. Because in light of our circumstances it's like in, the, starting in 2020. First one. Like starting over. Yeah. Reconnecting. Here's the last one. This one's going to be Phase fun. six. This is a big one. This scary. is going to be in October. We're, little, we're breaking ground this week. A little nervous about it. No, we're a lot nervous we're about gonna, it. <laughs> we're going to ask you to help us pull off perhaps the biggest two-weekend outreach event that we have potentially ever had. Maybe. The, the potential is there. Um, it could be, for us, the event of 2020. It's going to be the Grand Prairie Great pumpkin patch. We don't know what the title is going to be, but that's going to be it until we pick one. We're going to grow a pumpkin patch back here on our acreage. We're going to um, try. We're going to try. <laughs> we're going to give it a best, our best, uh, our best uh, Grand Prairie farming effort to have a pumpkin patch. And in the fall, on two weekends in uh, October, we are going to have them open for families to come out and p- pick their own pumpkin and um, we're going to have things for the families to do, just like if you were to go out to a pumpkin patch um, in another part of the state, we're going to do that right here in this, Stuttgart, this right back here on this five acres behind us. Do I? This is basically going to be. This has the potential to be huge. To charge them. This has the potential to be huge. We're going to ask you to help us to be a part of that. This is reconnecting phase. Six.
And here's the big thing. We're not asking you to choose one of these things. Honestly, we're asking you to do each one to the level that you're able to do it. We're asking you to do each one of these six things. Help Stuttgart Harvest Church be the church. The relationship church. The connected church. And now the reconnected church that God requires us to be. Will you join us? Let's pray.